one more time and uh, finish up the uh, chapter, I hope, and then the goal is to start chapter 6 next week. Um, we still don't have the computer back yet, so we're still just uh, audio uh, streaming, which is fine. Um, I know folks are listening and so forth, and we're, we're glad that they're doing that. And we'll get back rolling as soon as we can. But uh, I promise not to do too much drawing on the board, even though I'm really tempted to this morning, because we're dealing with uh, this chapter here. We're going to go back down to verse number, starting verse number 12 again. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And uh, last time we began to look at this section 12 to 21. I'm not going to reread it all from last time, but uh, it's, it's one of the great sections on, on uh, the validity and the, the, uh, the security and the guarantee, I should say, of our eternal security. And uh, the goal, again, is to conclude the chapter today and just by looking down through here one more time. And the issue is, that issue that as we go back in time, Paul takes us back into all the way back to Genesis uh, chapter 1, where he then deals with the, this principle. And, and it's interesting, in chapter 5, Paul's introducing principles. Uh, we had the principles of dispensational Bible study already given to us. We've had the principle of our some of our spiritual blessings being bestowed upon us, being justified. So again, here's a principle that he that this this issue of by nature you are this, and again the 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 natural relationship that we have with Adam by nature, and uh, we we have this <laughs> this thing called sin, S I N, the root, and it comes to us because we are kin to Adam. And because we are kin to Adam, and because we have that natural relationship, the, the, the theologians call it federal headship. You'll hear that sometimes, or federal, a federal relationship. And to me, when you say federal, you kind of, huh, what do you mean by it? So I just use the word natural or nature by nature. That's what Ephesians 2 says. So... We have this issue here because we start off in nature, verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we get started by nature, because we're connected to Adam, that, that there's that natural enmity between God and man. We're ungodly. We're without strength. Verse 8, we're sinners. Verse 10, we're enemies. If you come over to Ephesians 2... Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, in verse 2, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, we're the children of disobedience. Uh, Ephesians 2, and now verse 3, the end of that verse, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So in chapter 5, what Paul's doing here is he's, re, he's laying in this issue that there, it's by nature. It's a, na, it's a nature, it's a natural thing here. 
Because what he's producing and what he's developing into our thinking principle-wise is that this has nothing to do with what you are doing. No individual activity is going to fix your problem. That's what he's dealing with. The problem here is who you are and what you are. (laughs) What are you? Well, you were a sinner. You were ungodly. You were without strength. You were an enemy. But, and that's our position in Adam. So, the, again, the issue in chapter 5 here is not what you are doing. And that's wonderful to understand that, that our condition isn't based upon our sinful activity. It's rather based upon our, by nature, being a sinner. And that issue of sin, you, you, we, you know, we understand the difference between sin and sins. Sin, the root, that's what he's dealing with. Sins, the, the fruit of that root. And, and we're going to get to that too here in just a minute. So just as we have that relationship with Adam of this natural component, now that we are justified, 5.1, We have a natural relationship with Christ. And again, it's not what you're doing. It's who you are now in Christ. It's like that issue of your DNA. We're talking about last time. Your DNA says you've got blue eyes. Now, you can wear fancy eye things and make them other colors. Okay? But when you take all that off, you did something. What are you by nature? blue eyes okay so literally what happens now is we're going to see this comparison between the first Adam Adam and the last Adam Christ and we're going to see that issue there verse 15 I'm sorry verse uh, well verse 15 but not as the offense so also is the free gift you see that not as and so also that as and so that that simile there the com- contrast the comparison we're going to begin to see that as we move through the chapter now and we did we started it last time by looking at the comparison uh, come over to 1 Corinthians 15 just a way of reminder from last week and And literally, there are two men. There's going to be some twos here this morning. There are two men in the section that he's going to contrast. One is Adam, and one is the Lord, uh, Christ. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, the second man is the Lord from heaven. And again, they're similar, but they're really not. <laughs> they, they, not as Adam did, but so also now we have this over here. So what you have is the two men are very similar in the way that God has established this natural relationship. You want to see your relationship with Christ? It's, as, it's the same type of relationship that you have with Adam. What Adam uh, merited and gained passed on to humanity. Humanity gained. 
what Adam received, humanity inherited as well. So by nature, we're declared to be sinners. Back to Romans 5. So when we sin, why do we sin? Why, is, why are we born sinners? Because we have a natural connection with Adam. Why do we, ha- why do we engage in individual activities of transgression, as the book says? <laughs> well, it's because of our nature. You want to know why man does what man does? Because they're connected to who? Adam. You know, it's not a hard thing to understand. When you look around the world today and you see people doing stuff and you go, man, how could somebody do that? It's because they're connected to Adam. And that's the issue in verse 12 there, that by one man sin entered into the world and death, by, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So the principle is going to be what's true of Adam is tr- also true of Christ. But Christ, in, in, in what Paul's going to do here now, is Christ is much more. Look at verse 15. There, Christ doesn't just bring us back. Think about in Adam being a sinner, and you begin to accumulate the debt of sin, all right, over, over your life. You're a sinner because you're born that way by nature, but then you go out and you start living in your sin, and what do you begin? You begin to create this great deficit, don't you? Remember last week we were talking about mathematics, <laughs> you know? And yet, what people think is that when you get saved, Christ brings you back to zero. And that's not what Paul, Paul's like, no, 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 no. Verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift, for if through the offense of one many be dead, what? Much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. See, there's a much more aspect here. See, Christ doesn't just bring you back to zero. He what? He much mores you. He transcends Adam. He is going to be the source of all of our blessings and benefits. And there's this much more aspect. And when we, when, when we get into this here, as we go down through there, there, the connection, the natural relationship between that we have with Adam, we learned that, now we're going to have that with Christ. And all of the benefits, all the privileges that he's going to bestow upon us is because we are in him. And there's that natural Thing. By the way, nothing we do gains any of this. That's why in verse 15, it's the gift, not of grace, but by grace. You see, when you and I are, when we're justified by faith, that is a present possession. We have present possession. That's why when we went through this, I told you this is possession, not process. Because what religion says is religion says you're saved, but now you've got to do to stay saved. Paul's like, no, man, you got it because you own it. It's because you are by nature in my son now, so now I'm going to give you all of this. And what happens is is people go, man, that's crazy. (laughs) 
because we're designed to think like our old flesh thinks. And Paul's like, no, let the love of God come in there and flush all that old thinking out, and let's think about who you are now. So Paul, as we go down through, is going to emphasize who we are in Christ naturally. This is going to be critical to grasp as we start chapter 6 next week. That's the goal, okay? <laughs> because when you get into chapter 6, look at 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are, what? Dead to sin live any longer therein. How are we dead to sin? Because we have a natural relationship with Christ now. God says you are naturally righteous in Christ. I've imputed my righteousness to you. I've put it, you are now, your DNA has been so radically changed, you don't belong to Adam's DNA anymore, you belong to Christ's DNA if I can say it like that, okay? That's the thing. How, how can we be dead to sin? How, how are we going to be able to do, by the way, verse 3, the first word is know ye not. There's, he's building off of the stuff here at the end of 5 to deal with and to help you and I understand that as we move into the details of our identity, 6, 7, and 8, it comes off of because we are naturally now in Christ. That old Adam stuff is gone. That's why he'll say down in chapter 6, verse uh, 6, knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified with him. doesn't say by him or at the cross. It says with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. With him. What did he do? He moved in. Adam moved out. Natural relationship here. So when we come through here, by the way, you can't miss the fact there in verse, like in verse 15, for if through the offense of one, see that? And then down in that verse, which is by one man, Jesus, over 12 times it's by one, one man, He's the one who sets us so, because we're now in him. Guess what? Now we, we, we literally put on his DNA, who he is. I'm trying to think about this last night, watching Alabama beat up on LSU. And, you know, when you, when you get married, you bring two families and you make a new family unit. And in the marriage, then, what do you have, potentially? Children. So you took two sets of different DNAs, and then you produced a new DNA structure. Follow that? We were in Adam. We're in Christ now because of Calvary. So what did we, we produce a new man, a new creation here. And that's what Paul's going to emphasize now as we're going to go through. So what is true of one is going to be true of the other, but also what's true of one is not true of the other. 
There's just going to be this bounce back and forth between these two men. And the issue that Paul's trying to drive home is that thing in verse 15, the much more benefit of being in Christ. You think it's good in Adam. By the way, it's not, because in Adam, what ended up, you ended up dead. But in Christ, look at the much more that you're going to have. In Adam, by nature, what are you? You're a sinner, and you also then have the, the behavior that comes from being a sinner. It's passed on to all humanity. So you have the two men. You got in Adam, but then in Christ, what are you? He doesn't just restore humanity. He deals with the, the, the debt of sin. He deals with the accumulated sin and sins. But he also what? Much more is you. Okay? And he moves you on. He move, he, I, I, you know, it's, it gets to be more better, as they would say. More better. More. Much more. More abounding. More. 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 And that's really what the grace of God is all about, is the much more. So the two men, in Adam is negative. In Adam you have death. By one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon how many men? All men. There's the accumulated sin and the accumulated sins, the activities, and it results in death. In Christ, there's the positive. You're going to have the much more. He's going to tr transcend all that Adam achieved. He's going to take us beyond all that we could think or ask for, Ephesians 3 says. He's going to move us out even further. He's going to take us who were once dead sinners in Adam. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give us his life. If you're dead, what do you need? Life, see? So he's going to much more us. So as we go through, you've got the two guys, the two men, Christ and Adam. Now you have two deeds. Come over down to verse 19, Romans 5, 19. I, I'm trying to stay in Romans, okay, rather than do a lot of running. So, um, but that ain't going to work some of it. So Romans 5 verse 19, you have two acts. 519, for as by one man's, what? Disobedience, many were made sinners. Notice Adam. Adam's act was an act of disobedience. Eating the fruit on the tree, come back to Genesis 3. Eating the fruit on the tree, the activity of eating the fruit wasn't the problem. The problem was what? Disobedience. That was the problem. Come back to Genesis 3, where you have the, the event of eating the fruit. Genesis 3, you have Satan talking to Eve, and we understand he goes down. Now look at verse 5. By the way, Adam eats that fruit. That's an act of selfishness. It's an act of selfish gain. He wants to be something. He wants to go and he, 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 wants to, he wants to function and stand on his own two feet. Now watch verse 5 and watch how he get, got, gets there. Got there. <laughs> gets there. 
for this is Satan speaking to Eve, but Adam is standing there. He's not down the hall with the door shut, okay? He's sitting right there with her. That's why at the end of verse 6, and, and gave also under her husband with her, and he did eat. He's standing right there. But notice what Satan says. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Little g. Okay? Knowing good and evil. What did Adam and Eve, what did Satan put in front of them? Let's be, you want, he, God, big G, knows that as soon as you eat that fruit, you're going to have, you're going to be like little G's, little gods. He knows that. And he, that's why he doesn't want you to eat that, because he doesn't want you to be equal with him. Come over to chapter 1 of Genesis. Chapter 1. When Adam and Eve decide to, when they disobey, di- disobey, disobey, blah, blah, blah. it's cold. <laughs> get, the motor war- get, get the motor warmed up. When Adam and Eve disobey, that disobedience, which takes the form of eating the fruit, but it comes from a choice that they're going to make to function independent of who they are. Who are they? Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish and the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over it. You see all that? What did Adam do? Adam was made, Adam and Eve, was made in the image of who? They were already in God's image. Satan says, as soon as you eat that, you'll be, what did he say? Like, and ye shall be as gods. What he should have said was, I'm already God. I'm already like a God. I'm already in God's image. So when Adam took the choice made the, of selfishness, what he's doing is, is he's saying, I, he should have said, I don't need to be like, I, as a God, I am in the image of God. I'm good to go. But he didn't. He's going to function now independent of God. He's going to come along now and say, I voluntarily give up. Now think about this. What did God just do in verse in 126? Let them have what? Dominion. I give up my crown of authority. The dominion, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and replenish, multiply and replenish, and what? Subdue it and have dominion. I give up my claim to that. God gave the dominion of the earth, that power, that authority to man, to Adam. Adam in his disobedience said what? I give that over to somebody else, Satan. That's why in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, when 
Satan comes and he's tempting the Lord, that third temptation is he says, all this power, all this authority was given to me. Who gave it to him? Adam did. See, Adam, Adam's transgression, his disobedience was not, and by the way, all this passed to all humanity. So, by, so death passed upon all men. <laughs> okay? You see, when, he, when his disobedience happened, he was wanting to be independent of the true God. That's why in Genesis 3 there, when God curses Adam, he's got to now go work a field that he had dominion over that he didn't have to work. See, now he's got to go and work it. He didn't have to go by the sweat of his brow. Now he's got to by the sweat of his brow work because he gave up. He Come back to Romans 5. He independently said, I'm choosing to function on my own. I don't need you, God. And isn't that exactly what we saw in Romans 1? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They took the glory of God and they dishonored it. Then they took the glory given to man and dishonored that and said, we don't need God. Adam was, that's that act of disobedience. Now go back to chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. It, it passes to all humanity <laughs> by nature. So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So, you've got two actions. Disobedience that resulted in death, a, 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 a loss of, a, given, a, a, a forfeiture of things. Now you have obedience. Now you have the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Come over to Philippians chapter 2. When he obeyed, when he can't, comes in and he begins to, to do, his, Adam's disobedience was selfishness and self-interest. I want to be like God. You know, they looked over there and they see those angels going up and down and they're stuck on the earth. First man is of the earth, earthy. <laughs> he, and, and, you know, Satan, you know Satan's over there going, don't you want to do that? Well, you know how cool it is to fly? And Adam goes, what's flying? That thing, that stuff. <laughs> don't you think that's cool going here to there and all over? And, you know, what's man going to do? Yeah, I'd like to do that, man, yeah, you know. I was talking, we were talking the other day and, when man created the airplane, you know what the first thing he did? Put a machine gun on it, mounted guns to it. <laughs> we're going to go up and we're going to run, the, rule it. We're going to control it. But when Christ obeyed, so by obedience, by one man's obedience, look at Philippians 2. What did he do? Philippians 2, verse 7 well, verse 6, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found fashioned and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Death. Even the death 
of the cross. You see, Christ's obedience, the last Adam, his obedience, he wasn't consumed with personal interest. Adam is like, all right, what do I get? I, what am I getting out of this? I'll be like a god. Christ says, no, I want to come and do something so you, man, humanity, get something out of it. I'm thinking about you. He, he looks over there at the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. What was the Lord's will in the Garden of Gethsemane? Take me home, Father. I don't want to do this. He, said, he looks into that cup of the wrath of the indignation of God, and he says, if there's a way... Get, get me out of here. He's over there in the end of Matthew. He says, I could pray to the Father and he'll bring back the legions of angels here. You know, we sing that song, 12,000, you know, whatever. He goes, I could call that, but if I do that, there's nobody that can fulfill the scripture. See, he didn't do for personal gain. He was willing to serve the unworthy. He was willing to love the unlovable. He was willing to do something for those who didn't deserve it. And that's his obedience. Adam's disobedience, come back to Romans 5. You have selfishness, which results in the death. So now you're going to have two death, two results. But Christ obedient, he became obedient to death. He came along and completely depended upon the will and the word of his father. Didn't do it for self-interest. Not my will, but thy will be done. So you have that contrast. Then you have two results. Chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and the result of that was death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. With Adam, what do you have? Death, verse 17, 517. For if by one man's offense death reigned by, by one, verse 21, that, that as sin hath reigned unto death. That word reigned, ruled, controlled, death. Five times in this passage, death. The result of Adam's disobedience, his judge, the judgment the condemnation, all are going to what? Die. It's appointed unto man once to die. And death is the result. Then you have verse 17, 517. The contrast. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, love that, much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You see that rain in life? That's not living like you live today. You know, you're here, you're chilly, you're hot, you're cold, you know. It's not that. It's verse 21 and that issue of eternal life. 521, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a specific life. So when he says here that, hey, in, in Christ, you're going to reign in life, he's not talking about every day, getting up, getting dressed, going to work, and doing whatever you do. But he's talking about eternal life, specifically. 
And again, it's a much more, verse 17 there, much more. There's an abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness. <laughs> you can't miss the facts here. About, about, the issue is not what you're doing, it's who you are. When you get done with Romans 5, and as you begin to move into 6, 7, and 8, you can never say honestly, as we go through 6, 7, and 8, chapter, and by the way, this is like lesson 54, you know, could you imagine, we're going to have 54 lessons on the first five chapters, so where are we destined to about lesson 300 or something, <laughs> you know, if you do it like, but see, the thing is, is as you get into 6, 7, and 8, you can never say it's my activity now. Chapter 5, squashing that. It has nothing to do with what you're going to do. In a minute, we're going to see when we go through verse 13, 14, that guess what? Your activity is sinful. It's, the issue is who you are. That's why for years I've been saying you got to know who you are in Christ. So you've got two men, Adam and Christ. You have two acts Deeds, disobedience, and obedience. You have two results, death and life. You have two relationships here. Come back to Genesis 2. The you have Adam. The relation, what type of relationship did Adam have with God? Look at Genesis 2. In verse 17, the, 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 the type of relationship that Adam had with God, what kind is it? Genesis 2, 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If you eat of it, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. If you don't eat of it, what's going to happen to you? You're going to live. What type of relationship is that? Conditional. It's conditioned based upon your activity, isn't it? We call that the if-then of the law of Moses. But here is being the principles developed in Adam. This is why, by the way, man in general is a creature that loves to worship stuff. They love to worship God. When you boil this back down and you start looking at the nature of humanity, they are worship-driven creatures. Look at man. Worship this, worship that, okay? So what is man going to do here? He's naturally going to worship God. We're in chapter 2. This is pre-fall. So what did God develop into the situation? If you do this, this happens, and if you do that, this happens. Very conditional relationship, isn't it? That's the type of relationship you have. Our, now, come back to chapter 5 of Romans. What, is our, what kind of relationship do we have with Christ? So in our natural man, in our humanity, we understand fully the if-then. We were raised that way. You did it. Your parents did it to you. Their parents did it to them. All the way back to Adam. If you disobey me, what's coming? You know, but if you obey me, then what's coming? Something good. In my case, the good was not getting the bad. <laughs> okay, you know, 
I can remember growing up, you know, it didn't matter what we did. We just could not lie to mom and dad. If we lied to mom and dad, forget what we did wrong. We were getting nailed for lying, you know. Why? Because man by nature is a what? Is a liar. Because what are they doing? If I get caught bad, if I can get out of it, I'm okay. I don't get the bad. That's right here. That's Adam's relationship with God. Our relationship with Christ is a little different. It's actually much more better. <laughs> look at chapter 5. Look at verse 15. 5.15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto Many. Our relationship that we have in Christ is not conditioned upon us doing anything. Adam, if you eat, you're going to get condemned. If you don't, you're going to live. If you do something, Adam, you're done or you're good. Our condition, our relationship is not conditioned upon us doing anything. It's a what? It's a free gift. And that principle of the free gift, the gift of grace... No strings attached. Adam lived under a performance-based acceptance system. We live under a gift system, a no-condition system of acceptance. The Lord says, I accept you with no strings attached because you're aware in Christ. You're in my Son. I'm looking for nothing in return from you. Nothing at all. Now, we didn't do anything to gain, okay? But we do go and do stuff because we already have. Follow that? We don't do anything to gain anything, but because we have, now by nature, what are the natural, you know the natural instinct of a believer is to go serve God? Why? Because we've gotten something. It's a natural thing. It's a move it over. That's why I said a few years ago, and I kind of got blowback from some of you about, hey, by you by nature, by who you are in Christ, by nature and naturally will go and serve and do because you've already gotten, and that's the idea. So come back up to verse 12. Nothing in return. That, boy, that's a grace-based relationship. And that's what Paul's driven in. Because when we get over in 6, 7, and 8, guess what we're going to find out? <laughs> you, you know what we need? That grace-based relationship. Because we're going to have a transformative life now to go live. A walk, a worthy walk to have. All right, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're going to get a lesson in human history here now as we go down. And uh, we, we've, we're going to see, you know, why does, death why does death happen to all men? Why doesn't man live forever? Because by nature, what do we have? What are we? Sinners. And because of sin introduced to us by Adam, 
and we're made in his image, Genesis 5, now what do we have? Death. And guess what? It's appointed unto man to, once to die. It's, it's everybody. So regardless of what you try to figure out and try to do, guess what's coming your way? Death. Okay? It's, it's coming. It's a fact of life. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Obviously, first Adam, last Adam. Notice carefully what the, the way things were before the law showed up. Well, what reigned? Death. Verse 4, 13, for until the law, sin was in the world. What, did we, what have we already learned about the law? Come back to chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 20. What have we already learned about the law? Chapter 3, verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Can the law justify, make you, declare you to be righteous? No. For by the law is the knowledge of what? Sin. Before, Galatians over there says that the law was added to the promise because of transgressions. So the law, 5.13, until the law was in the world, what was going on? Sin. Death. But notice 13 says, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. What did the law do? It brought the knowledge of your activity also being sinful. In at, you're dying because by nature you're in Adam, you're a sinner. Sin. Now the law is going to show up and say, okay, yes, you are doomed by nature, but you're also doomed by activity because what is the law going to do? It's going to say that activity is also sinful. Follow that? That's kind of key here man's deeds now regardless of their man is dead regardless of their activity the law showed up man's still dead the law is not able to deal with the nature issue but now the law comes on board and says not only were you guilty because of being the son of Adam but now you're guilty because your activity is bad. You broke the top nine, you broke the Ten Commandments, the top ten. You're done. So verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So now we're going to have a history, a continue of the history lesson. Adam to Moses. What was, what was the dominant thing between Adam to Moses? Death reigned. <laughs> death was the king. It was in charge. You're doomed because you are a sinner, nature. Now, Moses, um, even over them which had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, the figure of him that was to come is the Lord Jesus Christ. So Moses to Adam, what reigned? The law. The law is instituted by Moses. So now you have the knowledge of sin. Now what's dooming you? 
You're doomed because by nature you're an Adam, but now you're doomed by your activity, sinful activity. Okay? Now, from Christ to the present, what's in charge? Grace. And what's interesting about that is with Adam, we have the entrance of sin. With Moses, we have the knowledge of sin. And with Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. And that's what Paul's moving you for. By the way, you have to remember that Adam doesn't fall on day one. Moses does not get the law on day one. When Moses showed up and he was revealed that he was going to be the deliverer, you remember what he went and did? He went and killed those Egyptians and then he had to go back on run for his life? He was back on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Then he got the law. By the way, Christ doesn't do grace day one. When does Christ do grace? When he ascends and he's in his exaltation, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, far above all principalities and powers, reaches down and reveals to the Apostle Paul the dispensation of grace. And I know what happens. Yeah, but what about John 1? You know, and grace and peace, you know, with Moses and with, but that's not the law. I mean, that's not the, the dispensation of grace. God, Jesus Christ never dispensed grace in his earthly ministry. You know what he dispensed? Following the law of Moses. That's what he dispensed. You go read Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, and you get down there in Matthew 28, and he says, hey, when you guys are out there doing your, your commission out there in the kingdom, you're going to preach what I preach. And he says in Matthew 5, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And if you're teaching the law, you're going to be great in the kingdom. And if you're not, you're going to be the least in the kingdom. <laughs> What's he teaching? See, grace here comes when he gives the dispensation of grace to Paul. Much more. And that's what Paul's stressing here. Much more. Verse 15. For not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if... Through the offense of one, many be what? Be dead. And, and uh, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so it is the gift. For judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So the first thing here now in Christ that he begins to, to deal with is this issue of death. Because of our nature, because of being connected to Adam, what are, what's passed on us? Death. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. A passage we're very familiar with. We know the verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him, so that he is God the Father, hath made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ was made to be sin. All right? He experienced an unnatural transformation. 
He was made to be something. Made to be sin. He was not sin. Yes? Yes. We're going to get there in just a second. No, you're fine. In, his, in, in the Lord's act of selflessness, in the act of his loving sacrifice of obedience, for your urgent need, what are you? You're a sinner. You're dead. You're an enemy. You're ungodly. You're without strength. You got no hope. You're without Christ. What did he go do? He went to Calvary, and he paid that death, and he did it on the cross. And on the cross, he answered the natural enmity between God and men. Go back to, to, to uh, Romans 5. He dealt with sin once for all. And the much more impact is he addresses the natural connection. Death passed upon who? All men. But now the gift is abound, abounds unto who? Phil just said it. Many. Well, how, where, how do we know that? Come back to chapter 3 again. Chapter 3. The significance of this is, is, is tremendous because in Adam, all of humanity is going to die. But in Christ, does all humanity live eternal life? No, 3.22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that what? That believe. Now, he went and died. Over there in Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he's the Savior of all men, especially them that believe. And that's the many. The free gift, the much more, is only applied to who? To those that believe. But it's available to everybody. So in, in Christ, he's dealt with death. He's died your death. It's done. That's why in 6, he says you're what? Crucified. You're dead to that stuff. Now go, let's go live to him, chapter 8. <laughs> let's, get on with, let's get on with the activity here. Come over to, well, you're in chapter 3, right? The second condition here is in verse 20 there, the end of it, and that's the issue of the knowledge of sin. And about the law there, what did Christ do then? Come back to Galatians chapter 3. If in Adam all die, what did Christ do? He went and paid that death, didn't he? If by in Adam the law is introduced and the knowledge of sin is brought, so now not only are we doomed naturally by a nature, but now we're doomed by activity, what did Christ go do? Galatians 3 and verse 13. Try to... I'm, I'm trying to show you the much more impact here. He doesn't just bring you back to zero. He's going to much more you. What did I tell you? Galatians 3.13, I hope. <laughs> Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being, what? Made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Notice, he... He met the natural issue that Adam, in, okay, by what? Being made 
sin, your sin. Now here, we have that impact of the law on us as humanity. Now your activities, your sinful actions are in question. So what did he do? He's already dealt with the root, the sin. Now he comes along and he's made a curse to deal with your fruit, your sins. Because what does the law say? Cursed is everyone. You're cursed. You go, you go down later on, Paul, James over there, he says, if you offend in one point, you're guilty of it all. See? So there's a curse issue there. He has done. You and I are two times dead. <laughs> we're dead to the root and we're dead to our fruit. If you come, by the way, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's a comes out of Deuteronomy 21. And in Deuteronomy 21, you take that rebellious son down there to the to the judges, to the to the government. And uh, they do their thing, and he doesn't repent, doesn't get right, doesn't fix it, doesn't change. They take him outside of the city, and they stone him to death. And then God says, you take that body, you take that young man, and you go hang him on a tree so that everybody sees that I'm not happy with that kind of activity. And you put him up. Now, he's dead. They stoned him to death, but what happened? You hang him out there. For the shame of it all. What happens to Calvary? Christ hangs there and he's, we looked at that when we said, uh, hope maketh not a shame. When we went back through those passages in Psalm 69, what does he, what's, what's on him? Shame. Why? Because he's hanging where he shouldn't be hung. See. Come, come back to, to, to Romans 5. Romans 5, look at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might, what, abound. You know what the law says? Here's the knowledge of sin. It's coming in. Man, you are already doomed being in Adam. Now you're doomed by your activities being sinful. You're doomed. You, I mean, you are, you, you're, you know, you're in trouble, man. But when sin abounded, grace did what? Much more. Grace doesn't just bring you back to zero. It does what? It much mores you. Jesus Christ took care of both, the sin and the sins. Grace did much more abound. And that's what Paul's after. You understanding, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Boy, eternal life. And again, it's only given to those who believe, the many. But eternal life, that's much more than just living forever. Eternal life, John describes it in, in, in John. He says, the Lord says, it's recorded in John. He says, man, give me that life that I had with you, Father. You see, eternal life is coming to know God's life. 
the Godhead, the Father lives for the Son, the Son for the Spirit, the Spirit for the Son, the Spirit for the Father, the Father for the... They live for each other, each other's benefit. And what eternal life is all really all about is knowing God's life and knowing how and living that way. But in look in verse 21 carefully. So might grace reign through what? Righteousness. Where did we start the section in 118? For the wrath of God is revealed against all that hold the truth of God in what? Unrighteousness. And we walked down through the court and we saw the righteousness of God, the justice of God say man is what? Guilty, 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 guilty. So much so in 319, God finally says, shut up, (laughs) enough out of you. You're guilty. And then we learned in 321 that the same righteousness that said guilty says now what? Justified. Declared to be righteous. And you know what the justice of God does? The justice of God sits over here and he says, man, you are by nature in Adam, you are doomed. You're a sinner. You're guilty. The law came up and says, yep, that's right. Their activities are guilty. So the justice of God looks at you. Here's the through righteousness unto you. And he says, are you in Christ or are you in Adam? Where are you? Who are you? And the old sinful man says, well, I'm in Adam. And bows his back and does his, calls God on the carpet, the whole, of, the whole of the courtroom. And the justice of God says, you do not have perfect righteousness. Hell awaits you. And the judgment of condemnation comes. Man approaches. The justice of God says, who are you? And he just says, I'm a child of the Most High because of his free gift and his grace and Calvary. And he says, oh, you're in Christ. Wonderful. You know what awaits you? Eternal life. And who dispenses eternal life is the justice of God. And you know that from verse 21, might grace reign, what? Through righteousness unto eternal life. The righteousness, the justice bar of God is the one that determines who's getting eternal life and who's going to get eternal life. Imperfect or perfect righteousness? Perfect righteousness. And where do we get that? We are made, 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are what? Made to his righteousness. He takes an unnatural event and he does something with you and I So that now by nature, we are what? Who are we? We're in Christ. We're his. uh, Paul over there, uh, 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. This, This is the much more impact. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as we leave chapter 5, and now we're going to go into the next section, chapter 6. Next week we'll do a big overview of it and so forth. We're gonna, he's launching off of this understanding of 
who are you? By nature, who am I? I'm in Christ. I'm not an Adam. I'm in Christ. I'm not under the law. That's why 6.14 says, uh, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Why won't sin have dominion over you? I'm not under the law. Adam, condemnation. I'm under grace, life, liberty over here. Follow? Okay? All right. We got through. I'm to the end of the notes. Okay? That's what's transpiring here. That's why Paul in Romans 6 now will say, Know ye not. Why? Because you're to know this coming out of chapter 5. He's just given it to you. Don't you know who you are? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus, you were identified completely by nature, who you are in Christ, identified in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why he says what he says in 6. Sometimes people read chapter 6, by the way, and they say, well, I, where, does, where was that at? 6-3? Well, it's, at the, it's in chapter 5, 12 to 21. You just quit reading after verse 12, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, we thank you for who we are in your Son. In your name we pray, amen.